Well, it's good to be here this morning, amen? I love coming to church on Sunday morning. Honestly, no greater place to be than the house of God. How many know that when we're intentional about intimacy, He promises to be present? In other words, when you make a decision, I'm gonna lean in, I'm gonna come into the house of God. God promises where two or three are gathered, here He is in our midst. And He's made a promise this morning, and I don't know if you realise, but God is in the house. Jesus is in the house this morning. And the text I wanna read this morning is a powerful story of when Jesus first calls a couple of His disciples. And the context to the story is that Jesus is becoming a little bit of a celebrity preacher. To say as much, He's just stepped into ministry and He's beginning to preach all over the towns and He's doing miracles and people are getting healed. He's preaching sermons and people are getting impacted and touched. He's going into synagogues and He's turning up religious ceremonies upside down. And it's like, everyone's like, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about this Jesus guy? He's completely breaking tradition. He's completely turning the religious systems upside down. And He's having so much impact, the world is taking notice. And it's early days. And He's only got maybe two or three disciples at this point. And He's beginning to travel and He's beginning to call men unto Himself. Beginning to call people to follow Him. And how many know God's timing is perfect? Come on, God's timing is perfect. He knows exactly what He's doing. And this morning, even though we might doubt His timing, He's always on time. And one person once said, when you can't see the hand of God, you can always trust the heart of God. And that He's always ministering. He's always moving. He knows exactly what He's doing. He's a sovereign God. And in this text, it's a powerful story. And it's a story you've maybe heard a couple of times. I've heard it many times, but I began to reread this text through a different lens and my perspective opened, my view changed, and I hope it encourages you this morning. But Luke chapter 5, verse 1, as we pick up the story, you can read along on the screen. or If you're old school and you've got a Bible, read along that. That's awesome. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around Him and listening to the Word of God. And he saw there at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he turned to Simon and said, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. How many knows a good problem? And they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, so full that they began to sink. And when Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto the shore, left everything and followed Him. How many know it's a great story? And it's one I've read a lot of times, but there was a couple of things I missed in this text that as I began to reread, I noticed God doing incredible things. God is always working. God is always doing two things at once sometimes. And He comes to the shore and you can imagine the scene, the beach is packed. 
There's thousands crowding around to hear this guy. I mean, there is no space. And at this point, everything he touches is being healed. So everyone's trying to touch Jesus. They all want to be healed. And so you can imagine he's swamped. It's, it's almost like they're pushing him and he's on the beach and he steps back and the Bible says he gets onto one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And at first that seems just a coincidence. He was just on the beach and there happened to be a boat behind and he steps back onto the boat and he thinks this is a good place to land. But can I say nothing's by accident? Because the Bible says that there were two boats there. And I think that's such an unnecessary detail until you realize the fact the Bible's trying to make. And that's the fact that he chose Simon's boat. And he steps onto Simon's boat. And what feels like an isolated encounter was actually a divine appointment. Because it seems like this would be the first time they met. When I read the Bible, I used to think this was the first time they'd ever met. But it wasn't. See, Andrew, Simon's brother, had already started following Jesus. He was one of the first disciples. And in fact, in John 1.40, when Andrew first meets Jesus, he runs to tell Simon. Look at this in John 1.40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and had followed Jesus, the first thing Andrew did, the first thing, was run and tell who? Simon. And tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is when translated Peter or rock. And here we see maybe weeks, maybe months later, Jesus shows us some old school follow-up. He first met Peter, Simon at that point, And he gave him prophecy said, you know what, you're going to be Peter, which is translated rock. And we know that he would later go on to be the rock that they built the New Testament church on. He would go on to be one of the most influential disciples of all time. This was a prophecy, but we never hear about him again after that until this moment. He walks away and he's unchanged. In fact, how many know, how many know Christians can be a bit weird at times? Come on, anyone got some weird Christian friends? How many know serving Jesus can be a bit weird at times? And you've got to think about this for a minute because Peter meets Jesus and what's the first thing that he does? He changes his name. Now, how many know it's an awkward encounter? Hey, you're Robbie. From now on, you're Steve. Well, that's a little awkward. And I can imagine he walks away and he's like, man, you, that Jesus guy seems really cool. He seems different. He's obviously got some power to him, but a little weird. Maybe not my thing. And he walks away for a couple of weeks. Hasn't made up his mind, but a seed's been planted. A seed had been planted. God had prophesied over him. And all of a sudden, in what would just seem like coincidence, Jesus steps onto the beach to preach, looks behind him. Oh my goodness, whose boat is it? It's Simon's. Right on time. And what's crazy about this is, this was not a good time for Simon because Simon had just spent all night fishing and caught nothing. Now, let me just say something. He was a fisherman. They weren't fishing for fun. This wasn't like, let's go fishing, take a photo of the fish, put it on Instagram, walk away, act like we're cool. This was not that moment. This was like literally, if they don't catch fish, they can't pay the rent. If they don't catch fish, they can't feed the family. Fishing meant finance. And they have just gone all night and caught nothing. 
Now, how many know after a full day work catching nothing, you're over it? I can imagine he's over it. He's filthy. He's dirty. He's tired. They've been going all night. The last thing he wants to do is do church this morning. Anyone here feel the same? Anyone else in the same boat? And it's like this morning you got dragged here. You feel filthy. You feel unclean. It's like the last thing you want to do is be in the house of God. And Jesus turns up right on time. And He says this, Hey, Simon, do you mind if I get in your boat? Do you mind if I get into your space for a minute? Invade your privacy a little bit? I know it's not a great time for you, but this is a great time for me. And He turns up right on time. Can I say God loves to get in our space? God loves to just invade our space sometimes. When all we want to do is just go home and quit, pack it up, let go. God loves to get involved and invade our space. And Jesus shows up in Simon's situation. It's my first point, right on time. This wasn't chance. This wasn't luck. This was destined. He knew. Jesus knew he'd had the worst night. It wasn't like he didn't know. It wasn't like this was an accident just turns up at his worst moment. No, Jesus' timing's perfect. And being the master magician, you've got to think, here's Jesus. He's preaching to the people, but at the same time, He's pursuing Peter. He's preaching to the crowd, but He's also seeking an appointment. And can I say, just like this morning, I might be preaching to the crowd, and that's one thing, but can I say, Jesus is also looking for an appointment with you. That Jesus is seeking a moment with you. And while it might feel like this is just one big encounter, no, God came this morning to meet with you personally. That there's something that Jesus wants to say to you this morning and He's right on time. And no matter what condition you walked in this morning, Jesus wants to speak to you this morning. And I read the story and I began to think how awkward this moment was for Simon. Can you imagine? Jesus, this celebrity preacher, steps back onto his boat. He's filthy, he's tired, he's annoyed, he's angry. And now he's got thousands of people looking at him and Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? It's just the two of them standing in the boat. And he's just kind of like, I didn't sign up for this. And I can imagine at that moment he felt pretty exposed, pretty vulnerable. Anyone ever felt that way when everyone's staring at you? Does anyone remember when you first walked into the presence of Jesus? The first time you came to church and walked into the presence of God? And almost that feeling of uncomfortability. I remember the first time I went to church and I remember growing up to an age and I remember walking into a service one time and the preacher began to preach and I felt like someone had told him my whole life story. And it was like, this guy is reading the script. Who told him? And I'm uncomfortable and I'm awkward and I'm feeling exposed. And I can imagine how Simon's feeling. He's sitting there, he's like vulnerable. He knows he's not saved. He knows he's not a Christian. He's sitting there feeling filthy and unclean. And he's standing in the presence of holiness, purity, goodness, life, God. I can imagine how that felt. Incredibly intimidating. Maybe feeling a little insecure, a little inadequate. Maybe even feeling a little guilty and ashamed of some stuff that he got up to last night. Wasn't planning to be with Jesus this morning. Come on, anyone ever walked into church? You weren't planning to be there. Someone dragged you along. And all you can think about is last night. And maybe even that sense of just, ah, shame, guilt, awkwardness, insecurity, 
vulnerability. Everything that he is, is convicting you of everything you are. And I can imagine he's in this moment. It's just a vulnerable moment. And he begins to realize there's something about this Jesus that's different. Maybe everything my brother's been telling me is true. Maybe he is who he says he is. And it's at this moment that Jesus finishes his sermon and he turns to Simon and says, hey, let's go back out and let down the nets for a catch. Now, the obvious response from Peter is reluctance and doubt. The last thing he wants to do is get back on that boat. The Bible says when he first turned up, they were packing their nets up on the shore. So he literally had to get back on the boat and go. And I can imagine he's like, Master, I mean, we've been out all night and caught nothing. And how many know Jesus wasn't a fisherman, he was a carpenter. You ever had someone try and tell you about your specialised industry that have no idea about your? What you should do is this. Like, you're an idiot. (laughs) You have no idea. And Jesus comes along and weighs in. Hey, what we should do is go out and let down the nets. He's like, this ain't biting time. We've run out of bait. This is not a good time. He says, but nevertheless, at your word, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And he recognises that maybe, just maybe, there's something about Jesus that's worth the effort. That's maybe worth trying to sing out. All right, I've heard about the miracles. I've heard that you've done some crazy things. I've heard you're this amazing guy that can change lives, but I haven't seen it yet. Almost like a little what do you got moment. All right, Jesus, let's go out. Let's see what you got. Who knows? Maybe a little bit of pride in there. Maybe a little bit of, okay, cool, bro. Let's go. Same way we approach church and God sometimes, right? And I love that Jesus says, Simon, let's push out into deeper waters. Because I wonder this morning if the miraculous in your life is on the other side of you going deeper with Jesus. And I wonder if sometimes God would call you out into deeper waters because that's where the miracle is. You're like, God, I haven't seen anything for a long time. God, I haven't been seeing nothing happen in my situation. God, I haven't seen the breakthrough I've been praying for. God, I haven't seen what you said I would see. And then Jesus says, would you go one more time, but this time let's go deeper and this time get me on the boat. And I wonder if the miracle in your life is on the other side of you going deeper and getting Jesus involved. Deeper levels of dependency, deeper waters, deeper levels of trust, deeper levels of prayer, deeper levels of dependency. You're like, I'm only seeing so much. He's like, you're only pushing out so far. What if you went a little deeper? What if you invited me in for a moment this morning? And in our text, they push out in the deeper waters, let down the nets and the miracle happens. And they fill two boats with so many fish that the boats begin to sink. So I'll look secondly at one more time because the part that we often miss in the story is that Jesus asks Peter to go right back out to the source of his greatest frustration. Now this is different. See, Jesus was no stranger to doing miracles with fish. He multiplied the fish, fed the 5,000, multiplied the fish, fed the 4,000, put coins in the fish's mouth. He could have done the same right there. He didn't have to go to all that effort. He could have just done what he could have done with the few that they maybe caught that night. But instead he says, no, Peter, get back on the boat. We're going back out to the source of your greatest frustration. And it's there in the place of your greatest frustration. I'm about to do the greatest miracle. 
And I wonder if God would challenge some people this morning that the area that you have almost walked away from or the area that you're like given up on, Jesus would say, now let's go one more time. One more time. You know that situation you've been praying for? Let's pray one more time. You know that person you've been wanting to invite? Let's invite them one more time. I stepped out before and it didn't work. Would you pray one more time? Would you step out one more time? I led a ministry one more time and it, uh, one time before and it didn't work. Would you go one more time? I served before I got burnt. Serve one more time. What miracle is on the other side of you stepping out into the same place of frustration? See, this was a word for me when I read this text. If there was anything I got from it, it was that. It was like, hey, Rob, go again. You're broken, you're upset, you're hurt, you're frustrated, you go again. Would you go again? One more time. Because it's in the source of your greatest frustration, I want to do my greatest miracle. Pastor, you're always telling me to pray. Go again. I'm sick of hearing the giving thing before service. I've given, it didn't work. Would you give one more time? Come on, one more time. What is it that God's calling you to go one more time? I tried this business. I'm sure it was a dream from God. I'm sure it was something God put in my spirit and it just hasn't materialized. Would you go one more time? But this time get Jesus involved. This time put Him at the center. One more time, can you say amen? And I love Simon Peter's response because verse six says that when they caught the fish and the boats began to sink in verse Eight, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And it was almost like in the moment of seeing the miracle, he realized just who Jesus was. And he finally understood his humanity. And maybe there was a humility in his humanity for the first time. There was almost like a, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm so, he falls on his feet when he sees God's ability. And you know, sometimes... God will bring us to a place of dependency, brokenness, frustration, just to get us to the point where we're humble enough to admit that we need more than just ourselves. We need something greater. I say this morning, you need something greater. And it might be your marriage, you're praying for a miracle, pray one more time and try again. It might be relationships with family and friends and you need a miracle, try one more time, get Jesus involved. Come on, it might be any area of your life, get Jesus involved. One more time. Because where you're unable, He is able. And where you don't see a way, He makes a way. We sing that, way maker, miracle worker. We sing that, do we believe it? Come on, do we believe it? When's the last time you let yourself get to the point where it wasn't you that could answer your prayer, you needed God to answer it? See, here's the problem with half of my prayers, I can probably answer them. Right, put in a little bit of hard work, orchestrate some situations. I could probably make my prayers come true. But am I praying big enough prayers to believe that this prayer needs God? This situation needs Jesus. I can't change someone's heart. That needs Jesus. I can't change the financial climate. That needs God. I can't change the situation in this area, but I need Jesus. And God brings us to that place of dependency says, would you go one more time?
practice one more time. So I'm going to finish on decision time. Because we know God always shows up right on time. He asks us to go one more time, but then He brings us to decision time. Now, I don't know about you. I have spent many a night dreaming of winning the lotto. Come on, anyone ever dream? Come on, can we talk to real people? Stop pretending to be holy on Sunday. Now, I know gambling's from the devil. Yeah, I don't do it, but I still dream about winning it. Right, I've dreamed, man, that 28 million would look real good in my account. Someone just walk up, some rich uncle I didn't even know suddenly walks up and says, I'm giving you the keys to my kingdom. So, whoa, let's go. I prayed for that and I'm still praying for it. And I hope one of you backsliders win the lotto and then say, no, joke. It's a joke. But it's interesting. I've always dreamed about that. Can I say that dream was coming true for those disciples right there? I imagine they'd sit on the boat some nights and just be like, one day, boys, we're going to have the big catch. One day we're going to go out and we are going to catch so many fish, we'll never have to worry about finance again. It's like the lotto of the sea. And when those fish began to jump into the boats, it was like dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. They weren't seeing fish, they were seeing money. It was literally winning the lotto right there. Do you know God will sometimes answer your dream just to show you it's got nothing on His dream? Because we're walking in the dream Sunday. God made this dream come a reality. God answered this dream. But think about it. Our main text in verse 10 says, Jesus turned to Simon, says, don't be afraid from now on you'll fish for people. They pulled up their boats to shore, left everything and followed Him. It doesn't say they picked up their fish and followed Him. It says they left everything. I say the God dream in your life is so much bigger than your dream. And what it comes down to is source or supply. You're either going to chase the source or you're going to chase the supply. And we got a lot of people in life chasing the supply, chasing material things, chasing the things this world says will make you happy, chasing relationship, chasing status, chasing money, chasing finance. We're all looking for something. We got a lot of people searching, searching, and we're chasing the supply. But today in this situation, Peter met the source. And the source wasn't dictated by the conditions. The source wasn't dictated by the environment. The source created the conditions and created the environment. And when you chase the source, you never have to worry about supply because He makes a way where there is no way. He creates situations. He creates water in the desert, fruitfulness out of barrenness, fish when no one was biting, money when there seemed to be no way. My question this morning is, what are you chasing, source or supply? See, when I chase Jesus, I don't have to worry about the conditions because I serve a supernatural God that works outside of those conditions. I'm not dictated to by the conditions. I serve a God that can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants. My question is, does your faith allow you to believe that God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants? Is that the kind of faith you carry? Because can I say, that's the kind of faith that will see you through. You wanna see miracles? It's when you begin to believe God can literally do whatever He wants, whenever He wants to. And this is the revelation that these men left. And I love the fact that they left their safety net and followed Him. The safety nets were gone. That's my backup. That's all I've got. That's all I know how to do. That's my only way. But one encounter with Jesus was like, 
That'll come anytime. He can create fish anywhere. We need to follow this guy. I say there's some things in life that God asks us to leave behind so we can follow Him. And that doesn't mean you have to leave it in the sense that you leave your career, leave your profession. It just means that you leave your dependency on those things to meet the need and put the trust in Jesus. See, I've long worked out that my career, as good as it is right now, it's secondary to what God can do in my life. And I've made a decision it will always come second. If ministry calls, it will always come second. Why? Because what God's doing is so much more important than anything I can do in this. I've learned to trust the source. And I know the source will bring the supply. They left everything and followed Him. So as we close, there are five things I want to declare. Five things I want to declare this morning. If you would begin to believe these things, I believe that God would do a miracle in your situation. Change your perspective, change your heart, change your mind. Number one, there is no such thing as coincidence when it comes to God. If you walked in the house this morning, you're not here by accident. If this is your first time, it's a divine encounter. There's no mistake that you're here. God formed you intimately, hardwired you, knew you before birth, designed and architected, orchestrated every situation that you would be here in the house this morning. Secondly, nothing God does is by chance or accident. He either permits it, allows it, orchestrates or coordinates it. Everything, for whatever reason, and this is where faith comes in. You permitted that trial, you permitted that trouble, yep, because I've got a reason in it. I'm doing something in it. I'm bringing you to a place of dependency. And what I'm about to do is the greatest miracle you've ever seen if you go again. But this time, put your trust in me. Number three, anything God does, anything is by design and intention. You know, we're not here by accident this morning. Everything that God's doing through our church, everything God's doing in your family, everything that God's doing in this moment, it's intentional and by design. God is here this morning and He's seeking an appointment with you. Number four, seeing the miraculous often means going deeper with Jesus. Can I challenge some people this morning? What would be the area you feel convicted about this morning that God's challenging to go a little deeper? You used to pray, remember that? You used to really pray, you'd, you'd get closet time. But slowly the things of life pushed it out, right? Chokes it out, we got busy, we got time now. Worship will do instead in the car, but we've forgotten to pray. God says, would you go deeper again? We used to set aside time to sing and to worship, but do we still do those things? And in fact, do we go past where we were when we first got saved? How many know it's supposed to get closer to Jesus, not further? But when we first get saved, it's like we're going so deep and so hard. And then over time, we slowly get colder. Can I say, that's the opposite of how it's supposed to work. I should be getting closer to Jesus. I should be getting deeper with Jesus. I should be getting more of His heart, seeing more what He sees, moving in that realm. The miraculous means going deeper. And lastly, as we finish, the God dream for your life is so much bigger than your own. God dream in your life. I wonder, as I read this text, I was so stirred that the first encounter, Jesus gave him a word. He said, you're a rock, man. Proclaimed life over him. 
And from that moment, his life was never the same. Can I say, the minute you got saved, God spoke a word over you. So I've called you, I've destined you, called you to give you a future and a hope. We're his workmanship, created by Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. And then the Bible says that what? That we should walk in them. That we should. That this is God's blessing for your life. Can I say the greatest satisfaction and the greatest joy in your life is found right in the middle of the will of God. It's not found chasing supply. It's not found looking everywhere that everyone else is looking. It's found chasing source. And that source has got a name. And that name is Jesus. And Jesus has the ability to save and set free and to heal and to redeem and to restore and to move. This is the God we serve. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray one more time for that one area or that one thing that you walked away from. The thing that you've given up praying for. We're going to go one more time. Come on, anyone with me this morning? Anyone believe God can move in this situation? God wants to do this miracle. I might have given up in my spirit, but I'm going to trust Him again. Why don't you pray with me? Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking You to do a miracle. This situation... I bring it before You one more time. But this time, I'm asking You to take lead. I'm asking You to meet the need. And I'm asking You to do a miracle in the mighty Name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give Him praise for the miracle He's going to perform. Give Him praise.